Welcome back to The Secret Runner, a weekly podcast in which I'll be talking to an international Ironman competitor, My Secret Runner, to get training tips and coaching advice for everyday runners like myself to reach their next personal best. We've had a while off around The Secret Runner's wedding, but we're back on weekly releases now. This week has a bit of grotty language in it, some mild swearing, but nothing too extreme. I think you've waited long enough, so let's get to it. Hello, Secret Runner. Hello, Pete. It has been a while, to say the least. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's been a busy few weeks, far more for you than for me, as you've had your wedding celebrations. So you're now Mr. Secret Runner. I am indeed, and we had some unexpected uh, uh, changes. We yet again had to postpone the wedding, but this time we managed to push it back just by a week due to COVID and all sorts of things. But maybe we'll speak about that a bit later on in the uh, podcast. Yeah, we'll find out how it's affected your training as well. Yeah. Um, but you have been keen to talk about the history of Iron Man for a while. Since we started, you've been eager to do it. So yeah. why don't you run us through the history of Iron Man? Okay, so I'll basically just see if I can tell it to you a bit like a story, really. Because um, I don't think I've ever spoken to you about it and the origins of it and how it came about. So it was back in 1977. Uh, I think there were three or four people sat around a table at some sort of like sports banquet uh, evening um, over in Hawaii. And they were having a debate. Um, One of these people was a US Navy commander, John Collins. They, they they started talking um, about a article in Sports Illustrated magazine, um, which was talking about um, a famous Belgian cyclist called Eddie Merckx, probably one of the greatest cyclists to ever have lived, and that's generally regarded by everyone as as true. Um, and how he had uh, the highest uh, recorded oxygen uptake at the time, so like VO two. Um, and they started getting into a conversation about who's the fittest, a swimmer, a cyclist or a runner. And they all, I think, sort of like, as so the story goes, they all took opposing sides. And the next thing you know, they decide to try and come up with some sort of way of kind of deciding that fact. And so being based in Hawaii at the time, they decided that they'd combined three different events that took place in Hawaii. There was, um, uh, what was it? It was, hold on. The, so it was the Waikiki Rough Water Swim, which is 2.4 miles in length. And so that is why Ironman is 2.4 miles swim. And then the 112-mile bike was a, a, a specific bike course around... Oh, well, I'm not even going to pronou- attempt how to pronounce it, but a certain place in Hawaii where there was a 112-mile bike course that took place. And then there's the Honolulu Marathon, which is obviously 26.2 miles. And that is how each of the three disciplines came to be those certain distances. So it's all rooted from Hawaii. That's Is that why the World Championships are there? Absolutely. So that's its home. Yeah, it is. Right. And... And so um, 
so so that was in 1977 that that conversation was had and the following year in 1978 the 18 uh, 18 uh, no sorry it was 15 men uh started the inaugural race which we now know as the Ironman World Championships 12 finished which is a massive which is a really high rate um yeah they had to have their own support crews and they had to provide their own nutrition and hydration. And the pre-race rules that they wrote up um, was just sort of like handwritten notes. Um, and on that last page of those notes, it said, swim 2.5 miles, bike 112 miles, run 26.2 miles, brag for the rest of your life. And that is still a tagline which they use today. Um Back when they were having that debate as well, and they came up with this idea, this crazy plan, um, one of them turned around and said, right, we'll have a race. If you do it, I'll do it. Um, first person across the line, we'll call the Iron Man. And so that's where that came about as well, back, right back then. So is that, is that just off the cuff, that? Was there no, like, history or thought behind it? No, no. There's so... This is... I mean, for me, I love this because doesn't this just sound like the sort of thing that you and I would talk about? Well, it does sound like a pub conversation because it's really hard to compare different disciplines. So I I suppose they just picked those long, those long distances. But I'm just wondering how... Are they, like... I've always assumed they've been engineered to be... Uh, like physically equivalent yeah. uh, distances, like a hundred and twelve mile bike ride is the same as running a twenty six. No, not at all. No, no, because I mean everyone's got their own opinions on what they like and what what they find easier. But a two point four mile swim is a piece of piss in considerate in in comparison to the bike and run sections. Oh, really? So I I had always assumed that it was um, just because swimming's harder than running you know in terms of energy used or something that um that's the equivalent sort of distance nah, not really but is it not at all no i mean i consider that warm-up for the day to be honest oh, right. if that doesn't sound too uh too up my own arse ish or whatnot but like yeah it's um an hour an hour swim or sort of like 50 minutes to an hour swim that's quite a nice that's a nice warm-up is that how long that would take then? 2.4 miles would take you about an hour, a bit less than an hour? Yeah, uh, well, yeah, probably between 45 minutes and an hour, depending on whether it's sea swim, lake swim, river right. swim, all, all of that. Yeah. And then how do the bike and the run compare? I mean, bike-wise, obviously it's the biggest percentage of the day. Yeah. Because that's taking you between four and five hours, and the run's going to take you between sort of like three, three and a half this is me. I'm talking about me. It takes me about yeah four or five hours on the bike and uh, three, three and a half hours on the run, uh, depending on what kind of a good day I'm having. Um, and so, yeah, percentage-wise, that's an hour in the swim. Let's call it... Let, let's go for my higher ends, so the longest I'm expecting to be out there. That's an hour on the swim, five hours on the bike, three and a half hours on the run. So... The run is obviously so much harder because of the impact of it, but it's less time. Whereas the the the, the cycle, you're spending five hours on a bike, man, in in that fixed aero position, it's tough on the body, and obviously from an endurance point of view, it's tiring. Your butt 
Must be so sore after that. Five hours sat on a saddle. Man, uh, that's the least of your worries, to be honest. That's absolutely fine. You get used to that as a cyclist, but it's more uh, sort of like holding that sort of like forward arms together position. You just start, your muscles start aching in places that you just don't realise. Places in your neck and stuff like that. Um, No, I see what you mean. I'm sitting cross-legged over the laptop now, which I quite often do if I'm doing emergency or like off you know weird location work and yeah like an hour or two sat like this and bits of my body ache like my upper back and shoulders and stuff yeah and you're like those those bits shouldn't be in that position i suppose it's not dissimilar the way you're hunched and are you really locked in place for that long then do you not like sit up and stretch around and stuff absolutely you do do that but this it's um it's a balance because every time you do that you're losing time Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's constantly playing that balance off. You don't want to be doing it all the time. I probably try to do that maybe about once an hour. Right. So continuing the story on. Yep. So for like for, so for the, that first year, nineteen seventy nine, those fifteen competitors, twelve of whom finished, the winner was in. Uh, uh, sorry, it was nineteen seventy eight. Um, the winner was. Uh, came one in 11 hours and 46 minutes which is pretty impressive for back then and the technology that existed and all of that but I had the privilege of speaking to one of those 12 finishers oh, wow. um, when I was in Denmark and he was explain. he just explained a few points to us uh, that were just so interesting I think he wore some denim uh, shorts on the cycle <laughs> And the finish line was literally just a white can of spray paint across the line. His nutrition at points on the bike was McDonald's. And and at one point, he completely ran out of water or anything like that. So he had a beer. <laughs> can you... Im- I, I, it is unbelievable. I can't imagine how horrid that would be. Doing an Ironman fueled by beer and McDonald's. Incredible. Incredible. And then from there, like in 1979, there were 15 competitors also, but there was a women involved in there. And the year after, in 1980, um, there's a sports program in the US from ABC uh, channel, and it's called like the Wide World of Sports. And it did like a small feature on it and uh, on, on this weirder, this quirky event over in Hawaii. And then as soon as that was aired, off the back of that, um, uh, the numbers just started increasing massively. So from 1979-78, going from 15 competitors to by 1982, there were over 500. And then from there, it just went up and up and up. And then eventually that's when you started needing to draw, uh, include like um, qualification process and so on. And and then I'm assuming over the time it spread out and you had different events around the world. Yeah, is the world championship always always out there then? Always in Hawaii? Yeah, it is. Um, it's always always in Hawaii. For a long time, it was sort of like run by a couple, and they had quite strong opinions on how it should be. And I think eventually they sold it on and got rid of it because of it was kind of going away that they didn't want it to go with all this qualification spots and stuff like that in the early days you had to write to them 
and you'd write like an essay or you'd write a letter on why you should be allowed to compete and obviously there would have been all sorts of like incredible stories being told there and then they used to select it oh, really? um, so I think uh, I mean that's how yeah there's there's all sorts of stories that I've read a lot about sort of like what their um, vision for the event was and obviously like all things it gets taken over by companies and profit in mind and that sort of thing. So they got too commercialised for Yeah, them. yeah, ultimately, yeah, exactly, yeah. But but it, what it's morphed into, it has morphed into this sort of, like, mythical race that um, that so many people around the world get to do ev- all over the place, but it's, it's like that one in Kona and the fact it is held there every year, it's a bit like, I don't know, maybe like Wembley Stadium is to football, you know? It's a bit like the home. Right, okay, yeah. right. Like that ground, it's like historical ground. And then not not least because of the actual physical conditions, it is one of the toughest Ironman races out there. The winds are unbelievable, the humidity's unbelievable and the temperature's unbelievable. So all of that just adds into this like fairy tale kind of story. Um, so are there other similar triathlons that are similar distances or or if it's that kind of length does it get to be called an Ironman or do they do they have to apply for the branding? Yes to all of the above. <laughs> um, so there are, there, Ironman is a, is a, is a brand. Um, so if you're going to call it an Ironman triathlon um, it needs to be put on by the Ironman uh, firm and, and company. Um, you have you have other companies um, and other uh, uh, events around the world that will mimic that distance and they'll call it full distance or they'll call it Ironman distance triathlon, but it might won't necessarily be put on by Ironman. Right, and do you okay. know what? That's like that, that there's so many good races out there. I mean, like challenge uh, is another brand that they're, they're probably Ironman's biggest competitor from that point of view. They put plenty of full distance races on. I mean, I even looked at doing a race the other week when I was back in the UK. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it work. But um, Ironborn, they call it, which is um, uh, just a full distance race down in Eastbourne in the UK. Oh, right. Um, okay. So, I mean, there's there's absolutely all sorts. Yeah. But um, a full distance triathlon or an iron distance triathlon is uh, is generally those distances. Yeah. And do you get any that are longer? Or is Ironman the longest sort of generally? No, 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 no. You definitely get longer. There's actually something called the Decker World Championships. Right. Um, and that is 10 times the distance. So 24 miles swim. Yep. Is that, how, how far is the channel? Like people do that at like one go. 21 miles. So it's a bit more than the channel. Right. So that's something you could do in one go. People usually there's so there's there's even different formats that within that decker. Some of them it's like ten Ironman races over ten days. Oh, I see. Some some it's like you say it's twenty four miles and you just keep swimming until you've done your twenty four miles. Thousand kilometers on a bike. Yeah, like you couldn't do that without stopping. It's a, it would be more than that. It would be one that one thousand eight hundred and sixty kilometers on the bike oh because it's 112 miles and you certainly get double ironmans that people do do all in one go as well so it's come from um 
it's almost come from not pub conversation but dinner conversation a bet and now it's become like a worldwide phenomenon and the, and the stories like that's just the, that's just the origin story the story from where that began to where we are now go watch some old youtube videos as well they're awesome people who are just like crawling across the line and can barely even do that there's one lady who was crawling to the line uh, and then got overtaken. She she collapsed like 100 metres and was crawling to the line and then the someone overtook her in that last 100 metres and so she came second. Yeah, there's lots more to it than I realised, so I'm going to read up on it and maybe we can bring up some other key moments in the history of Iron Man in future episodes. This week's question from the audience is what other training would you recommend to support your running like strength or flexibility training? Um, so that's looking for specific specific examples from you as to what can be done in addition to just running and intervals and changing the pace and running, what other exercises? Um, there's some obvious ones like strength and conditioning, which we've touched on in the past. Um, so that is kind of weights and any kind of resistance training and conditioning your body. So there's two two sides to that. One is one is injury prevention there. So getting your body stronger and deal into a certain condition so that it's more resilient. And there's another side to it, which is developing more power and strength so that you can go faster for longer. Naturally progressing from that, you've got um, flexibility is something which is good to work on. Um, And with that goes stability, so your core. So things like Pilates and yoga or general core core exercises. And and that is something that we've put into your training plan because uh, the core core in running in particular is, is very important. You can tell when someone has lost their core stability. Um, so if they're running for a long, long, for a long time, at some point, everyone's going to have their point where their core starts to uh, give up on them and the, the form of running uh, completely changes. That then changes their efficiency. So they're going to get slower and you start to become more susceptible to injuries. Going quite maybe a bit more sort of like uh, off the beaten track, Things like mindfulness and meditation uh, are great, great things that you can focus on. Um, not least because they're great on race day if you're feeling any nerves or any kind of like visualizing and race strategy. Um, mindfulness and meditation is fantastic for that. The Ironman World Championships or, st- or the start of any Ironman can be pretty daunting. It used to be that you had mass starts of 2,000 people all launching yourselves into a body of water. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty mad. So every night when I go to bed, I think about that and think of it in a, a, a like, imagine it as like my tranquil, happy place. Now, the first few times I do that, it actually it becomes probably makes me a little bit anxious. But in time, that has now become, it's become so much like my go-to sort of like tranquil visualisation that now if I am feeling anxious about anything, be it work-related or something else, I kind of like shut my eyes and I think about myself at the start of a race and I relax. Oh, that's interesting. You've turned something 
negative into something positive. Yeah, yeah. And especially with something like, say, the Ironman World Championships, that takes that takes place in Hawaii on this lovely beach, usually with like an amber sunrise coming up. So it's something that's so easy to imagine. I imagine like the water lapping, it's lovely turquoise blue, the amber sunsets coming up. And I can uh, picture where I'm standing. Thankfully, because of all the um, video footage that I've seen of the event online, I can literally, I know exactly where I'm standing on that beach. And I know the way that you enter the start, I'll have to pass that point. So I know that it's something that's going to happen. And at that moment, that's going to trigger a complete calmness in me. Um, so there's all of that side of thing. That's just one way that I've used it. But there's a hell of a lot more to it than that. And the last one, which is probably bigger than all of the other ones put together, recovery. Don't think of recovery as a rest. Think of it as training. Recovery is training. People think that recovery is just not doing exercise. But that's not true. Like I say, we've all got busy lives, so it's difficult. You need to fit everything in. But if if you're looking at supporting your running, um, if you can really make time for recovery, whereby you maybe sit on the sofa with your legs up in the air to increase sort of like um, the blood flow to flush out of your legs, that is great recovery. Or even planning your recovery. Why don't you start thinking about the first 20 minutes to an hour after your bigger training sessions and plan that hour after your run. So when you get back, within 20 minutes, make sure that you have some sort of protein, a good protein intake. That could be a protein shake or it could be a meal. Within an hour, perhaps have more of like a carbohydrate uh, type meal to replenish all your glycogen stores and everything. And think about how you're going to sit and what you're going to do in that hour. Um, So maybe try to just set aside that hour after that run so that you know that you're not going to have to go food shopping or that you've not got to sit down and do the homework with the kids or something like that. That's a good point. I I do, again, like you said, busy life um i'll be like i can fit that run in and then i'll and then i'll get home i've got time to shower get dressed load the car and then go out kind of thing so i don't do it all the time often it's in the evening so it's the ideal time to run come home eat dinner and then like crash and it works well but sometimes especially at the weekend i will like find an hour to run and then when i'm done with that i'm immediately on with busy weekend activities so yeah, I hadn't thought that. And that I do notice that when I don't pause after a run and get straight on with something, usually later or the next day, I might ache a bit more. And you can take that even further. I think we've spoken about before, sort of like maybe using foam roller in your recovery or if people are lucky enough to go and get sports massages or see a physio and things like that. Recovery never ends. There's so much that you can do and, yeah, it'll keep benefiting you. Okay, well, going back to the original question, though, can you give some specific exercises that would be good for strength or flexibility yeah. training? Maybe one of each. So for running, um, I for so if we're talking about strength training, I think a great place to start is anything for the calf muscles, um, because if you've got weak calf muscles, that's going to then start to you're going to start to compensate the higher up the leg you go, and so on. 
right to the point that you might start to get um, uh, hip disalignments and your pelvis might start to be acting uh, incorrectly. Uh, so I would do, uh, I mean, calf or heel raises um, are great for that. So that is um, just stand up, raise yourself up onto the balls of your toes, lifting your heels off the floor and then back down again. And then if, if you're really just beginning with that, maybe do three sets of 10 and then you can progress that hugely. So you can do it on a single leg. So you're holding your whole body weight on just raising it up onto one ball of your foot. And then I do, um, at the moment, I'm currently doing about three sets of 25 of those, but um, holding uh, 45 kilograms of weight. Oh, right. Okay. So that's a way of, yeah. progressing it you don't have to do more or faster or more often just make yourself heavier so you're working harder yeah and there's uh, i mean if you're going to start to go down that route i would say either d- seek out some advice or certainly do a bit of research into strength and conditioning from that point of view because it's an area where you can get injured if you just start p- piling on the weight quickly or um even the the weight itself like i could probably go a lot heavier than 40 kilograms or 45 kilograms but i don't because of what i'm trying to achieve i'm not trying to get huge ginormous calf muscles i'm trying to make them um give them the strength and conditioning to be able to take constant long muscular endurance type exercise right and so that's more from a conditioning side of things making sure everything's working but then if you're if you're at a point where maybe you've been running lots and you're finding that your times have started to plateau and you've tried every all sorts of other things and you're not doing any strength training, well then you probably want to put some more power and strength into your muscles because you might be able to lengthen your stride then at that point. And so you're going further for every push off the floor that you're doing. You're keeping your cadence the same, but you're, you'll go, you're actually traveling further for each time, um, especially in cycling leg strength is is a big one obviously and something like squats is a great way of doing that as well and to add to that like if you are going to go down that road like I, I say I probably would seek some advice or do some heavy research into it all because it's not just as simple as going and repeating the same exercise week after week I have I have four distinct phases to my strength training I have like a phase where I prepare my body for it lifting lighter weights then I have a transition phase where I the repetitions get smaller, but the weights start to increase. And then I have a phase where it's all about maximum strength, where I'm lifting really heavy weights, but not many reps to put that real big high end power in. And then after that, I drop way back down into like a maintenance phase. So I'm uh, higher reps again and lower weight. And it's just maintaining that strength I put in previously. That's a real overview of it, but it's just 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 a way for me to point out that it's not as simple as just going and lifting a load of rates. Right. Um, and that's that that program that I just said there. That's that's something that's tailored towards me. So, depending on what sport it is you're doing, and or what, even what distance running you're doing, something strength training program for a sprinter is going to be incredibly different to that of a marathon runner. Yeah, I think it's just good to hear some examples of the types of thing you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but yes, obviously, you, as you've done with me, training plans are all specific to 
to the person and you you're giving me my advice but yes yeah no i I wouldn't want anyone to follow your training plans who's listening and try and attempt to do an iron man yeah so in that case then to summarize really calf calf um exercises to strengthen your calves is great for conditioning um if you want to put some more power into your legs then squats are a great idea um, and then following on from that, um, what I touched on previously, uh, core exercises. I mean, that's a real basic, good, a nice basic introduction to a strength and condition. Yeah. Okay, so Pete, we have, um, you are in week two of your base three, is that correct? I think so, yes. This. Oh no, you're in, you're cu- coming to the end of week one. Yeah, so, yeah, I've got one more exercise and then week two starts tomorrow, yep. So, you, whilst I was going through all my wedding palaver, you had the end of your base two, rest and recovery week and you've had the first week of your base three so the your rest and recovery week you've sent me your test file for your 30 minute tt test i am yet to look at that to get the new heart rate zones um i should do that today or tomorrow for you lovely okay so um in base three which you've now moved into it pretty much stays the same as you'd expect, base one, base two, and base three, they're just, it's a slow, gradual progression. So we've still got your long run going on, and that's gradually progressing in dis- in time. Um, we've still got your strength and core session, which you're taking care of. Still got your run session, your easy run session, um, except for that is developing slightly. Uh, so I think your last one uh, was 35 minutes. Yes. Um, whereas then now now we'll be going up to 40 And minutes. you're slotting drills in as well. Before, in the, originally, we had uh, the strides drill as almost its own, own session. Whereas now those easy runs are getting longer and we can kind of combine that easy run with the strides whilst we focus on some other stuff in the other sessions. So those two runs each week are staying the same. And then the only one that's changing from base two to base three is that um, Saturday run that you do. So beforehand, we were kind of switching in base two between a force workout one week and then a muscular endurance workout the next week. Now we're doing a combined muscular endurance and force workout. Ah, okay. What that is, is that we're going up into your zone four and zone five. Ah, of your heart rate, which I know you're going to love because it's tough to slow you down and you like to run fast. Yeah, I have a habit of pushing too hard. Yeah, so this is the session now. I've been saying all this time, pull yourself back, hold yourself back. It will come. Now, this is a a session where we're starting to introduce that. So what I want you to do is like a 20-minute warm-up or so, a good thorough warm-up. And then what I want you to do... I need you to find a hill, or it would be great if you could find a hill, that will take you about five minutes to run up. That won't be hard. So so the the goal at the end is to try, maybe do four reps, so four times five-minute efforts. When you do the first one, I want you to be cautious and maybe only do two. 
if you really feel like it's easy, then do a third one. But I would I, I would hold off going the full hog for all four, or else you might just stick yourself into far too much fatigue to be able to recover. Because I, I should be doing these in zones four to five. That's correct. So it's a hard hard effort for five minutes going uphill. So the muscular endurance is running in zones four or five for five minutes. And then the force is the fact that we're adding in an uphill. We're using right. gravity as a resistance. Okay, that sounds harder. Um, but no, there's some good hills around here. We do um, hill sessions in the running club and with there's plenty of hills around here. Does it matter the gradient? I've got a choice. If we're talking ideal situation, um, sort of like 4 or 5% gradient, the important thing is to find one that takes you five minutes to get up, really. Cool. So it'll be good to uh, see how you find that session. And then also your long runs are beginning to creep up now where they're um, getting into some real good distance. So we'll keep an eye on all of that. And it'll be interesting to hear from you over the next couple of weeks how you're finding all of that before we move on to your build one. So let's find out what the secret runner is up to because you dropped a a bomb yesterday on me. <laughs> I hate it when you do it in the week because my immediate reactions then lost for the podcast. So I had to shut down communications until today. So tell us what's happening later this year. So um, I have decided to defer my slot for the Ironman World Championships in Kona and... Um, defer to 2022 so i've still got my qualification spot i just won't be competing there this year i'll be going next year and there's tons of reasons why i've made that decision one of the main ones is the fact that if i commit to this year and i can't get there for any travel restrictions reasons then i lose my qualification spot um it's looking likely that i'd be able to get there at the moment but it's a big risk if I had to go and re-qualify all over again. Not only is that a huge um, step back in having to go off and train and find another race, it's also a big financial outgoing. Oh, of course. Two things from that like that immediately come to mind. One is, yeah, you've worked so hard on this for so many years and you worked hard to qualify and you, you know, it took you more than one event to do it and then you've got it and it's such a special thing. Like, it's not a physical object, but it's like, seems something so precious to you that, sure, what don't risk it. You've waited so many years, one more yeah. seems sensible. But but there's a bit of me that goes, but you qualified once. You're going to, you you want to be the world champion. So surely you'll just re-qualify yeah, no, I, next year if, if that's how good you are. So why fear it? I think I could and I would. Um, but that's just putting, that's just adding in extra unnecessary complication where I perhaps don't need it. I mean, one of the other secondary reasons why I'm, uh, that's helped my decision has been um, at the moment, they're kind of just handing out slots. They're talking about handing out like 200 slots at some races to this year's event. Right. And that's obviously because there's not been enough races to happen for enough people to qualify for the race. There's two ways of looking at that. You could say it's going to be a, a weaker field, more chance of winning. 
But my particular take on that is that I'm going to the World Championships. I don't want to. I want to race against the best. Yeah, no, I see. You've uh, you've earned a slot in it. Well, yeah, it's a really hard topic, I suppose, to talk about without without meaning to sound harsh. I want to race against the best, and it's quite possible that some of the best aren't going to be there this year. Another reason. I've got a secondary A race lined up, which I always had throughout the year. So this isn't a decision that I've made overnight. This has always been in the back of my mind. I just haven't really spoken to you about it. But what really swayed it this week is that I needed to make a decision about this other A race that I've got lined up, which is also another World Championships, but this time in long distance duathlon. Um, And I needed to make a decision about that by yesterday, 5 p.m., and so I decided to, yeah, I, I've, I've signed up to that race. I'm going to that race. I'll be representing uh, the Great British uh, age group team there. Nice. What are the distances then for long distance duathlon? Because was it sprint duathlon you were doing? Yep. So sprint is where I won the European Championship. So that was 5k run, 20k bike, uh, 2.5k run. Uh, this one is a 10k run. And then I think it's a 160 kilometer bike and then a 30k run. Oh, right. Longer run at the ends than at the beginning compared to the sprint where it's longer at the beginning and uh, almost, a, you know, a sprint at the end. Yeah, yeah. So what I'll do now is that I've been working on my plan this morning. It's a big problem solving task, um, not least because I've missed about a week and a half of training with all the wedding uh, stuff. That that's a negative impact, I guess. That week and a half training I've missed. The secondary uh, problem that's introduced is that that the the next race is on the nineteenth of September when I was planning to peak for October the ninth. Right. So that's a, more more weeks effectively that I'm missing out on training. I'm not going to be at my peak for that race, but I'm already in good condition, so I'm not worried about that. And then. uh, more on a positive side I don't need to focus so much on swimming now because of it's just your athlon yeah so some of those swim sessions that I've got booked in I'll keep probably most of them there but I can have them more as recovery sessions right which then means the run and bike sessions that I do can be more focused and more race specific so uh, really if we look back at it you know how we've talked about the base period where you're looking to increase your fitness and then your build period where you're looking to train for the specifics of your race I've done the base period nothing about that has changed I've been putting good fitness into my body now I've reached the build period my build periods become become smaller because of time restrictions. And whereas before that specificity would have been based around the swim, bike, run format, I'll just slightly change that uh, specificity to fit the duathlon format. You say it was 19th of September? Yeah. That's fantastic. That's the day I'm doing my 10k. <laughs> Is it? Brilliant. You know what? It's also the day that one of my other uh, people that I'm coaching is doing their half marathon. Oh, really? That's cool. Everyone's in action on September the 19th. (laughs) I think we should set up a WhatsApp group or something. 
I was going to say, I mean, it would primarily be find out how you're doing, but yeah, that would be cool as well. Nah, too. we can all support each other. Oh, that would be cool, knowing you're... Knowing you're the, I mean, one yeah. day it'd be great to do something alongside you. Well, not alongside you, just behind you. No, that would be fun, like knowing you're... For the 45, 50 minutes I'm actually running, that you're also moving in some way. Yeah. Cool. So are you thinking of it less competitively? I know you'll still give it your all when you're there, but are you kind of doing this just to keep things moving nah i just want to race i want to race because i love racing and i'm going there to try and win it as well because i, th- I think i'm good enough oh that sounds exciting what what other slightly maybe it's boring and practical but you're used to i suppose you've done it before but the transition from running to bike versus the wetsuit to bike is it much quicker much quicker in duathlon going from run to bike because you can just slip your shoes off, smack, uh, get your helmet on and off you go. Right. And none, of, none of the stuff with wetsuit. You're not wet from things so you don't have to worry so much about like talcum powder and your shoes and stuff like that where, you know, where you're clammy and things start to stick to each other and all of that. Hopefully you'll be more warmed up as well for when you get onto the bike so your body temperature is more well adapted whereas uh, the water, depending on what the water temperature is doing can affect like how you're coming out into the cold or the hot and things like that. Cool. Well, I'm oh, excited that you're running the same day as me and um, it's exciting that you've got another string to your bow like another sport that hopefully you'll, you'll do well in and, and get some titles and... The secret, the multi-titled secret runner. That's what we'll have to call you soon. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Thank you, Secret Runner. Uh, it's good to be back. And everyone listening next week to find out what the Secret Runner thinks of my second time trial. Thanks, Pete, and thanks everyone for listening. Um, why don't you all go and head off and watch some YouTube videos of some of those old 70s and 80s Ironman races of people trying to cross the line and some of the epic stories there. That should keep you entertained until we come back next week. Uh, so off you go, stay motivated, and go share your secret. That's fine. You did a you did a poo face.